Welcome to Converse from the Couch from Life Stance Health, where each episode you'll hear engaging informative conversations with leading mental health professionals that will help guide you on your journey to leading a healthier, more fulfilling life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Converse from the Couch by Life Stance Health. On today's episode, I'll be talking with Jamie Shanes, who is a clinical site director from one of our Beachwood, Ohio offices, who will help us understand borderline personality disorder. So welcome, Jamie. Good to have you on. Thanks for having me. I know borderline personality disorder has been more in the media, so I thought it would be a great conversation to really help people understand more about what it is. So I know you're definitely yeah, we've all been glued to Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, who for most of us, we've heard she was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and another personality disorder called histrionic. Double yes. whammy for her. Yeah, yeah, definitely a double whammy for her, for sure. So it's definitely have put it more in the spotlight, both personality disorders. So. Yes. So, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll go into the conversation about what is borderline personality disorder. All right, so I have been with LifeStance Health for a little over three years now, um, mostly doing telehealth appointments, which I personally like because I don't have to put regular pants on. Um, so I'm a big fan of that, big fan of all things telehealth. I work with uh, those who are 12 years and older. Um, so I see anywhere from 12 to probably my oldest has been 75 years old. And at this point, uh, you name the disorder and I probably see it. So you definitely come with a lot of experience on many different di- disorders, it sounds like. Yes. Which is good. Quite a bit. Quite a bit. So tell us then, what does it mean to have borderline personality disorder? So I think to have an idea of what uh, borderline personality disorder means, uh, having a good understanding of what a personality disorder is, is probably a good place to start. So in in general, a personality disorder is when someone's inner experience and behaviors are going to totally deviate from what is typically expected from their culture. Um, Now, there are 10 different personality disorders, um, and they are grouped into clusters, so A, B, and C. Uh, Borderline personality disorder, the one we are focusing on today, is in cluster B, along with three others, antisocial personality disorder, narcissistic, and histrionic. So again, Amber Heard getting two personality disorders in uh, one cluster, not impossible, but almost unheard of. Right. Almost unheard of. Right. And uh, of course, Johnny Depp's team in their benefit to diagnose her with all the above. So with borderline personality disorder, in general, the main things we are going to see within this personality disorder are issues with self-image and instability with interpersonal relationships. Those are the two main things we're going to see. And then so with borderline personality disorder, there are nine criteria and in order for someone to be diagnosed, they have to meet a minimum of five. For a good chunk is uh, females being diagnosed. It is it, it can though still be yes. diagnosed in males as well. Got you. So yes, a, I have seen males. I would say there are definitely differences. Got you. 
And so looking at some of the other specific diagnostic criteria, can you share with us a little bit more about what the other uh, several criteria are? Yes, absolutely. So uh, like I said, there are nine. Uh, one of the criteria is that the individual has a lot of fear of being abandoned, whether that's real or imagined. So some examples of this, um, it could be when the clinician even ends the hour session. That individual who has borderline personality disorder may not take that as someone who does not have this personality disorder. They may panic. We may see heightened emotion. They may say, why, why is the session over, even though it's only over because the hour is up? Um, we may see an individual, let, let's say this person has plans with a friend of theirs, and perhaps this friend has to cancel or reschedule. It could be a week in advance, could be three weeks in advance, and the person with borderline personality disorder is not going to react like you or I would react. They're not just going to say, okay, well, we'll reschedule in a couple weeks, no big deal they may go to an extreme of not being friends with that person anymore. They may block them. They may start harassing them. Um, so again, it, it could be real abandonment or even imagined abandonment. So for example, that friend was not truly abandoning them. Maybe something else came up and they had to reschedule. So, like so a that's one. Uh, like a misinterpretation. What's that? It was like a misinterpretation. Yes. Yeah, correct. Correct. Yep. And then another criteria we often see, <clears throat> unstable and very intense interpersonal relationships. Um, so this is a, a common term we hear with this diagnosis is splitting. Um, so what that means is an individual with borderline personality disorder may idolize somebody. They may want to spend every waking second with them. And then in a blink of an eye, there might not even be any trigger. They want nothing to do with that person. They hate that person. That person is blocked, deleted, and that person is no longer in their life. Wow, so it's, it's just like cut off just like that. Huh? Yes. Yep. It's the, I hate you. I love you. Got you. But very, very, very. Uh, another one we're going to see is identity disturbance. So this can be gender dysphoria. Um, it could also be, you know, we might hear things um, from these clients saying, I just don't know who I am. I don't know who I like. I don't know what I like. I don't know what I believe. Um, but it could be as extreme as gender dysphoria as well. Uh, we also see these individuals tend to be impulsive. Um, and then so, some of the common areas we see are could be excessive spending. Um, it could be uh, binge eating and it could be drugs. So unfortunately with that, we will often see a co-occurring disorder. We could see a substance use disorder. We could see binge eating disorder. Um, oftentimes this, this diagnosis is not just occurring by itself. And then uh, another one that clinicians always have to be aware of is the uh, recurrent suicidal thoughts um, and parasuicidal behaviors. And what I mean by parasuicidal behaviors is a lot of self-harm, unfortunately. Um, these individuals, going back to uh, the fear of abandonment, if these individuals feel like they're going to be abandoned, they may threaten suicide, um, they may engage in self-harm, and as clinicians, we do have to be careful of this because they are at a higher risk of uh, completing suicide, and we know that suicide is an epidemic in this country right now, so that's something that we always, uh, always, always have to, you know, take note of and take 
seriously, even if we think, okay, they're just doing this because of a fear of abandonment. Got you. And then another one we see is, you know, a lot of issues with uh, their mood being not stable. So we'll see a lot of irritability, for an example. Um, and the next one, what we see is chronic feelings of emptiness. Um, so you'll feel, you, you will hear them say, I feel alone. You, you, you know, they might even be with friends and they never feel fulfilled or satisfied. Uh, another one we see is uh, difficulties controlling anger, struggling with intense anger. Um, unfortunately, these individuals, it's its not uncommon for those who they live with to have called the police on them. I just saw an individual who her dad just called the police on her. It was twice in a row. Um, and she had gone two years without this happening. But uh, due to some circumstances, her dad called the police and she she was not proud of it. Um, she was absolutely not proud of it. It was not, it was not celebrated. And so, like I said, a person, you know, they, they need to meet five out of nine of these criteria. The, the last one that is probably not as common is sometimes we'll see stress-induced paranoia. Um, person's out to get me. They hate me. They're plotting, you know, to do harm against me. Um, so in my opinion, it, I have seen it, but not as common as, as some of the other characteristics that we just went over. And like I said, it is more common in females. Um, and I think unfortunately that can cause a bias with clinicians who have a male client. Um, I think it's often overlooked with males. I think males often get uh, diagnosed with an impulse control disorder with the anger and whatnot, when in fact it is borderline personality disorder. Interesting. Very interesting. Yep. So with all these different criteria and characteristics of borderline personality disorder, then how is it treated? That is a great question. So, and I think the key word to this is treated um, because unfortunately there is no cure to this. So there are a couple different therapies um, that are used. Uh, the most common is DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, probably the number one go-to. Um, another common one is CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, we will also see anger management skills be used that also can be very helpful. Um, it's also important to know that uh, medication management is useful. So a lot of times these individuals are prescribed drugs that are in the antipsychotic category. Um, some examples are Abilify, Seroquel, Zyprexa, to just name a few. Um, again, this is not going to cure anything, but it might help stabilize the mood um, as we see, you know, changes in their moods can occur every hour, every hour. Um, another thing to take into consideration is level of care. Um, so oftentimes individual counseling is not sufficient. Um, you know, perhaps at first an individual might need PHP, so they might need partial hospitalization where they are in therapy for seven, eight hours a day, and then they go home. Um, and then from there, they might need IOP, which is group therapy, and then from there, individual therapy. Um, so typically, these individuals starting off will need a higher level of care. Um, I also believe that family counseling of course, very general statement can be helpful because what we see with borderline personality disorder, uh, typically the individual grew up where their home environment was very unstable. We see uh, a lot of trauma. 
We often see hostile environments. We see a lot of chaos. And again, this isn't always, but but a lot of the time, um, we often see, you know, most individuals who I see who have borderline personality disorder, when I inquire about their relationship with their caregiver, usually their mother and or father, they did not bond, in particular with their mom. For whatever reason, there was a lack of bonding. Um, sometimes the mother is struggling with mental health disorders. Um, sometimes there's just other circumstances. You know, parents could be in and out of jail. Maybe they weren't even raised by their parents, but we often see the individual did not bond with their mother. Um, it's almost like attachment issues. Yes. There, which is why we yes. didn't see the fear of abandonment and things like right. that. Is that kind of what fills in the That back? is exactly right. That is exactly right. You will often hear clinicians, uh, let's say a clinician is, you know, moving a practice or you know, going on vacation or something, if that clinician has to no longer see that individual, again, if they're moving or whatever the case is, it will, you will often hear clinicians say, well, it feels like I just broke up with my client because it is that dramatic. It is that dramatic. And that is because their, their parent, again, typically the mother was not there for them. There was no attachment. There was no attachment. So they they feel as though, and rightly so, oftentimes that people are going to leave them because unfortunately their childhoods did consist of people leaving them. Do you also see- And it's also, it's not uh, the mom to also have borderline personality disorder. Oh. We'll see a family history of it. Also that as well. Uh, Do you also see trauma, a theme of trauma in, in the lives of people with borderline personality disorder? Lots of trauma, lots of trauma. We will often see a history of sexual abuse, a lot of verbal abuse, typically from the caregivers. And, and the also the important thing to, to take away is these individuals were minimized. They were not validated. Mm-hmm. Um, That's probably a really big one. For example, I have some. Yes, yes. So as clinicians, it's very important that we validate them. Even if we're like, eh, I don't, I don't know about that. Keep that in your head. Keep that in the comment bubble. Because for their whole life, they were not believed. Uh, for example, I have an individual who and her mom just didn't believe that it happened. In fact, it did. It did happen. And just totally blew it off. Wow. Uh, really a blaming the victim situation. You deserved it. You you liked the boy. Um, so so we'll, we'll definitely see some issues with in particular, both parents, but but the mom. Gotcha. But the mom. There seems to be a history of mental health. Wow. So and not always, but most. What can someone with borderline personality do to help manage their own symptoms? Well, I think first and foremost, we have to know that these individuals. It it is very challenging to get them to continue to engage in therapy. Um, You might have an individual with this personality disorder who, again, going to the unstable and intense relationships, might love their therapist, thinks you are the best therapist they ever had. Next session, that's not the case. They might twist your words. They might accuse you of saying something you didn't say. So it is really important for the therapist to stay present with this client and to validate, validate, validate. Um, because these, these therapists, these clients, 
we will often see, I'll, I will get a client who, you know, let's say they were seeing other therapists at Lifespans. It's not uncommon for me to see that I might be the sixth clinician that they have seen. That's typically a red flag. They will idolize the therapist, best therapist they ever had. And then the next section, they're accusing you. You said something, you did something they didn't like, and that might be the last time you see them. So it is very difficult, statistically speaking, to keep these individuals engaged uh, in therapy. Uh, another tool that I think is very helpful for these individuals is the crisis hotline. Um, some therapists will give their number to these clients for emergency purposes. Um, I do not do that. I think that it, it can lead to a lot of unhealthy patterns. Um, but when these individuals are struggling with suicidal thoughts, which like we said earlier, number because it's 24 seven and they can even text it. They can call it and it's very, very effective. And then of course, with any mental health disorder, we see the best outcome is talk therapy and medication management. But again, with this disorder to keep somebody engaged is very difficult. Very, very, very difficult. Um, you eat every session is different from week to week. Um, you could have, you can meet with the individual and they seem to be stable. Their mood seems to be okay. Um, maybe they're not struggling with suicidal thoughts. And the next session, just as an example, they're saying to me, um, if they continue to gain weight and they weigh X amount of pounds, they're going to kill themselves. And then the next session, it's, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling euphoric. I had a good weekend. You never know what you're going to get. Which leads me to uh, another point that this diagnosis is often confused with bipolar disorder. Um, these, so bipolar disorder and borderline personality, um, often get confused. They are often misdiagnosed. They can co-occur, um, but some differences we see, like we'll, we'll hear people that'll be like, oh my gosh, she's so bipolar. She keeps, you know, her mood changes every five seconds. When I hear someone's mood is changing that frequently, that's a good indication it's not bipolar disorder. We are not going to see quick, quick mood changes with bipolar disorder. We will see that with borderline personality disorder. Um, another way to tell the difference, uh, we will often see sleep disturbance um, with those who are in the manic part of bipolar disorder. We are typically not going to see sleep disturbance with those who have borderline personality disorder. So often confused, they can co-occur, they do co-occur, but there are some differences. So when someone's like, oh my gosh, this person every five seconds, or they're happy, they're angry, you know, every hour on the hour, that's not bipolar. That's typically gonna be borderline personality disorder. And, and thank you for that distinction, because I, I do agree that someone might be saying to someone, oh, you're being so bipolar, and they're using it in a, incorrectly. I really like that's right. not what they're describing. So I'm glad you clarified that. Yes, yes. Often, often. I, I will get people that are diagnosed with bipolar and clearly it's not. Uh, you know, bipolar, we're going to see the mania that lasts about at least four days. Um, and that those individuals are probably not going to be sleeping during those four days. We're not going to see that with borderline personality disorder. It's much more quick in terms of uh, the mood changes. Got you. Can you share with us any other takeaways you'd like us to know about borderline personality disorder? Sure. Well, I think that this disorder, you know, like like we talked about earlier earlier with the media, it's it's one of the personality disorders that I think people have heard of, but there's a lot of misconceptions 
Um, you know, we will often hear even clinicians who dread working with these individuals and, oh God, here we go again, someone with borderline personality disorder. And just like anyone else, these people deserve a chance. Um, and we see, we can see some good outcomes of people if we can get them to continue to engage in therapy and medication management. Uh, research tells us by the time these individuals are in their 30s or 40s, we will see some decrease in these unhealthy behaviors. So there is hope, just like anything else. Um, they, it is difficult, but many mental health disorders are difficult. I think this personality disorder just gets the the brunt of of you know stereotypes and 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 negative connotations. But there is hope. Um, I, I think it's important that therapists um, who work with these individuals frequently, such as myself, take care of themselves after because a session can be draining. You can see. Uh, even within the hour session, all kinds of moods, you know, I want to kill myself. No, I don't want to kill myself. I, I really like this person. I hate this person. So it's very, very important to take care of yourself as a clinician when you are working with these individuals. But just like anything else or any other personality disorder, we have to remember it's your hard wiring. At the end of the day, your personality is your hard wiring. So we're not going to be able to take that all these struggles away. So that in that way, it is very challenging. Gotcha. My gosh. Thank you, Jamie, so much for sharing welcome. your knowledge and information about borderline personality disorder. I think you did a great job helping clarify some of the misnomers to it as well. Yes. So thank you very much. And love to have you on welcome. again. Welcome. Maybe, ne maybe next time we'll have to do uh, histrionic. Yes. Yes, for sure. Definitely. I'm, I think that's another personality disorder that probably needs a lot of clarifying what that is. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Thank but thank you for having me. You're welcome.